friends. Welcome to, I don't want to call it Thanksgiving RUF, but the RUF of Thanksgiving break. Uh, we like to say sometimes that RUF is a resting place for the weary. And I think I want to say tonight that what we want RUF to be, what I hope it is, is RUF is, is a place to come and feast your soul on the love and good news of Jesus. Um, I love Thanksgiving because I love to feast. And so we hope, I hope, my prayer for tonight is that you could feast on God's love for you. Uh, We're going through the book of Ephesians this semester, and tonight we're coming to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 4. It's in your handout. I'm going to read it for us. I'm just going to jump right in. Let's read our passage first. Here's what uh, God's Word has for us tonight. Ephesians 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let me pray for us, and I want to dive in to what we're talking about tonight. Let me pray for us first. Our Father, we thank you for the privilege of, because of your Son, Jesus, and his life and death and resurrection, that if we have collapsed upon your son in faith and in trust and in our need to be forgiven, that we have the privilege of being called your sons and daughters, your precious children, who you love with an everlasting love and who you care for in the most faithful of ways. So I pray that as we unpack this, this short passage tonight, that you would be the one who sends your spirit, that you would, as we've been looking at the last couple of weeks, that you would fill us with your spirit that you would change us, uh, that you would give the rest that our weary hearts need, that you would speak the word of of forgiveness and mercy that our sinful souls uh, long for. You alone can do that work in us, and we ask these things and pray these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Sometimes there are lines that stick with you, that really stick to your bones, and this happened to me last night. Uh, I'm for some of us, sometimes it's reading a book. For others of us who maybe are a little more lazy like me, it's watching TV shows. And last night, uh, Alyssa and I were, were watching season two of White Lotus because it's not TV, it's HBO. And there's a character in White Lotus who's my favorite character. It's played by Jennifer Coolidge. Her name is Tanya. And Tanya has this moment where she says this. Here's the line that really stuck with me that I want to start with tonight. It's on your hand out. She said, when you're empty inside and have no direction, you'll end up in some very bad places. When you're empty inside and have no direction, you'll end up in some very bad places. I want to start with that because I think there's a way of thinking about the last half of Ephesians where Paul, he would say it a little differently. He would say it like this. When we are empty inside, instead of being filled with the Spirit, which I want to say is being filled with the fullness of God's love for us. It tends to lead us to to seeking in our emptiness, whether it be pleasure or power or approval, things that ultimately still leave us empty. And when we do that, it leads us to some really bad places. And what Paul is doing in Ephesians 6 is he's actually talking about what does a spirit-filled relationship with parent between parents and children look like. Like we looked at marriage last week, 
We looked at walking in love two weeks ago. And tonight, we're, I want to ask this question is, what would a spirit-filled, full with the love of Jesus type relationship look like between you and your parents? Between your parents and you. And it, I'm not going to say and me. So I'm not your dad. But... But in my own life, what does that look like? And I just want to do two things that Paul is saying from us from Ephesians 6 that I think are really important for us to wrestle with along the lines of that question. Is First, I want to talk about the power of our parents, how crucial and powerful they are in shaping us. And then the second thing I want to look at is what I just want to call the predicament that we have as children and the confusion and pain of what it looks like to honor them. So let's start first with the power of our parents. And what I want you to see is, this is a little bit lost in us. The first century context of what, how children were considered in Paul's day is super different than the way that we think about kids in our own day. Uh, like my kids have pretty free reign. Their grandparents love them. We, we post them all the time, or I don't. My wife posts them all the time on Instagram. They're not seen the way that it would have been seen in Paul's day, which you just need to know, simply put, Children in that day, because they were powerless in a culture that worshipped power, and because they were, didn't offer much pleasure in a, in a culture that worshipped pleasure, they were seen at best as a nuisance, or at worst, basically as a commodity to be used. Which is why, if you remember the passage where Jesus calls the little children to come to him, even his own disciples were shocked and confused as to why Jesus would you welcome these, this distraction, this kind of waste of space, these children. And when we think about Paul speaking to children, I don't want it to be lost in us that Paul is in his mind addressing the little kids that maybe you see running around your church on Sunday that are messy, that are sometimes funny, sometimes cute, that are restless, that are loud, but that are super vulnerable. And Paul is speaking to them. And he wants us to see something about the role that their parents play, our parents play. On the one hand, parents thinking about how they powerfully shape our lives. On the one hand, think about it like this. Part of the parents, or part of the power our parents have is that they are what I want to call gatekeepers. Meaning your parents are the first introduction that you have to like good or terrible music, <laughs> to like good or terrible movies, uh, to like good or terrible food. Your parents really are your first introduction of what is to be loved and enjoyed in this world. And what I really want you to see is what your parents love, you and I tend to love. What our parents love actually, as it shapes them, begins to shape us. The way I think about it is I had a student one time. He was one of my favorite students. He was super, super cynical. Um, But he had this strange quality to him, which was he loved Disney World. And it was like, Wait, these two things don't add up. Like, you're the most cynical person, that a student that I know, and yet you love this place that feels like a fantasy land. And he told me on a one-on-one one time, he said, I think part of why I love Disney is because Disney World was the only place I ever saw my mom happy. We're shaped by our parents in this way, but our parents aren't just gatekeepers, they're also ambassadors, meaning this. They are meant to represent who God is and his loveliness and holiness and authority They are the first representatives of of God to us. They shape our view of God. It feels cliche to say we can often look at our relationship with our own fathers and see how it affects the way that we view God as father. Um, And what Paul is saying to parents is that it's simply one thing. 
is that your power is this. You have an awesome responsibility. You have an awesome responsibility in the way that you care and love and nurture your kids and the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, one of my, an author that I really like a lot of things, Michael Chabon, he says it like this. He's talking about becoming a parent for the first time, and here's how he says it. He says, becoming a parent was an obligation that was more than your money, your body, your time, a presence neither physical nor measurable by clocks. Open-ended, eternal, and invisible, like the commitment of gravity to the stars. I love that image because that is the power that parents play in our lives in the way that they either loved us or failed to love us. In the ways that they embrace their responsibility or abandon their responsibility. And when they have abandoned their responsibility, if you know that pain, you know that this is what it feels like. It feels like the stars are starting to slip from the sky because something so foundational has been removed. Um, Thanksgiving Day is complicated for me. Thanksgiving Day in 1993 was the day that my dad left our family. A lot of you know the story of my dad. My dad basically, the, the short way to say it was he nursed a cocaine addiction that blossomed into a crack cocaine addiction. And on Thanksgiving Day, 1993, I was in seventh grade. He left my mom for the woman who introduced him to crack cocaine. So Thanksgiving, as much as I love it, it, it brings some pain. And there was a Thanksgiving, so that means my dad has been sober now for 20 years. Uh, we have had an own, again, off-again relationship, mostly because I'm not always certain of what I want the relationship to look like. But there was a Thanksgiving that we spent together maybe three years ago where we were sitting around kind of talking about uh, the pain of what had happened. And what you need to understand about my dad was you have to understand, to understand my dad, you have to understand his dad. Uh, my grandfather, although a man who provided really well, was one of the angriest and most distant men that I've ever met. And to experience his outbursts of anger was to experience like anger and the violence of anger itself. And I was sharing with my dad this one memory that I have that, that happened around shortly after the time my dad left where my grandparents, his mom and dad, came to pick me up from school, me and my sister. And I can remember climbing into their station wagon, my grandfather behind the wheel. I was in the back seat right behind him. And I just remember looking, just this wave of quiet anger washed over me. And I can remember staring at the back of his bald head. And there was this one thought that I just couldn't shake. And it was this. If you were not the way that you are, my dad would not be the way he is. If you were not the way that you are, my dad would not be the way that he is. It's the power of parents. We either begin to face that pain and name that pain, however big or small, or we live in denial of it. The power of our parents to shape not just their children, but their children's children and my children is massive. And we have to begin to process it. So first the power of our parents, but then Paul has a word for us too as children, because how do we begin to honor our parents? How do we begin to show them the honor that Paul talks about in this passage? And that's why I want to call this the predicament of children. Uh, the, the one word that we're going to kind of fixate on is that word to honor them, which means we could translate it this way, to give them weight, to give our parents weight in what they say and do. 
to re- not just respect them, but when we're under their house to, to live under their rule, but when we're out of their house to honor them until the day that they're no longer with us. And let's just talk for a second about why that's so hard. It's hard because let's just think about the different kinds of parents that we have. Some of us have parents that are super controlling. And it was not so much out of love that they wanted us to follow their rules, but more out of fear and anxiety and control. And what does it look like for us to begin to honor parents that have raised us in that way? Uh, some of our parents are a bit the opposite of this. We could call them helicopter parents, or we could, we could call them parents who want a closeness with us that feels a little cringe because they, they sometimes wanted us to play the role of best friend. Oftentimes they wanted us to play the role of counselor, a confidant. Sometimes, in the worst cases, they want us to play the role of surrogate spouse. And we want to say to them, go get some friends. <laughs> go, go to counseling. It could be great. Just go do the work of marriage. So that seems important. So how do we begin to honor parents that approach us and look to us, that we mean too much to them? Well, then there are more of us or others of us whose parents, we could just say, either feel aloof or did abandon their responsibility, whether that's through divorce or through leaving. And that feels a little tricky because it feels like we mean too little to them. It feels like we didn't deserve uh, their indifference. We needed them to see us. We needed them to hear us. We needed them to ask what we were feeling and thinking. We needed them to draw near to us an intimacy that is appropriate and loving. And I think this is the main thing that I have for us tonight is how do we begin in the complicatedness that can be our parents and their their most beautiful? Because our parents do have inherent beauty and worth and in their most broken ways of relating to us. And what I have for us, I think, are three ways. How do we honor them? I think I've got three ways that we begin to do that. The first is we honor them by forgiving them. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is is both a choice and a process. Forgiveness is something that we try to lean into by God's grace. It's more of a posture than this one-time decision. Forgiveness is this deal where we are trying to follow Jesus, who, who told us to forgive one another as he has forgiven us, to be gracious. Forgiveness does not mean saying, it's okay. Forgiveness means saying, it's not okay. But I do love you in spite of what you've done or not done. And I'm open to God's work in you to begin changing you and growing you in his grace. Uh, I like the, the Keller quote on your handout. Look at it for a second. He says this, if you cannot forgive your parents, because what's the alternative? If you cannot forgive your parents for the things they've done, it will distort your relationship with authority figures. If you have your own children, you may overcompensate and do either more than or the opposite of what your parents did to you. You might end up parenting your children not according to their needs, but according to your own. I have a friend who had a father who was angry and distant and cold. And one day he was going to work. And he was walking out the front door. He was a farmer, walking out the front door, slipped on the front step, fell, cracked his head on the bottom step, and immediately went into a coma. And my friend was telling me the story of going to see him in the hospital. And here is this man who had done her great harm. 
And she, gathers, she tells the story of gathering around him in his coma in the hospital room with her siblings. And she says we were all sitting there holding his hand, telling, hoping he could hear us, telling us how much, telling him how much we loved him, how much we wanted him to pull through. And she said the one thought that I got overwhelmed with was simply this. She said I was in there, we were holding his hand, trying to speak words of love to him. And she said, why could you not just have held my hand? and looked me in the eyes and told me how much you loved me. And the only way forward for her is this word of forgiveness. We begin to try to be open to God's grace of forgiving our parents for what they've done, but then the second thing we have to have if we're going to honor our parents, I think, is we have to grieve. We have to grieve what they've done or not done. We have to grieve what we wish they would be, what we know maybe at this point they're probably not going to be. I had a counselor one time processing my dad, and he said to me, he said, Sammy, if you could grieve the fact that your dad is never going to be the dad that you long for, there is hope that you might could have some kind of friendship with him. And that's what I wrestle with on again and off again. But I thought that word was so profound. That we grieve not just what happened, but we grieve what we wish could be or might be. We still, in the words of Paul, we try to grieve as those with hope, that no story is unfinished, uh, that God alone gets to write these stories. We try to stay in that, but we have to begin to grieve. And can I say to you, who of us knows how to grieve well? Like if you do, I'll hand you this mic right now and you can come lead us. But we go with Jesus and trying to grieve what could have been or what happened. And then the third thing I think to honor our parents, and this one's a little bit tricky, but I think really important, is we try to stay open to our parents trying. We try to stay open to our parents trying. Sometimes they're going to try too hard, and that's going to be like, mm, please no. And sometimes we're going to wish they tried a little harder, and that can be its own painful experience. But when you think about it, what is a parent? What is a parent? A parent is a child with children wrestling with their own parents. And when we can begin to see our parents in that way, it gives us a little, bit of, a little bit of empathy and a little bit of compassion for them. Uh, lines that stick with you. Uh, here's another. I was reading this book a couple years ago. It was, it's called, uh, just go with me. It was called uh, The Pornography Struggle, How Pornography Rewires the Brain. Just some casual nighttime reading. And in this book, this guy makes this, this statement that really has stood with me. He says it like this. He says there's a difference in the affirmation that we need from our moms versus our dads. He says when you really think about it, there's a way in which our moms affirm us, who we are, what we've become. They affirm us more as extensions of themselves because they carried, they carried us. We were, we were in some beautiful, weird way a part of them. But the affirmation of dads, it's different. Because the affirmation of dad, of fathers, is I, I see you. I see you and what you've become and what you're becoming. I see you as, as a son who can stand among his, his peers with, with pride, the best kind of pride. And as a daughter, I see you as a woman worthy of pursuit and love. And the affirmation from a father hits different. Seeing us seeing who we are, recognizing what's happening in us. And what I want to say to you is if we're ever going to begin to honor our parents, 
is we have to learn how to live in the Father's affirmation. We have to learn how to live in the way that the Father sees us and loves us and cares for us and provides for us. Uh, what is a father? We could, the best father is someone who takes responsibility for us, who provides for us, who cares for us, who is always there in our time of need, who is incredibly generous with their time, with their words, with their encouragement, with their kindness. Uh, John Newton, he said it like this, thinking about God's compassion for us as a father, and his compassion almost sometimes is more known to us from mothers. He said it like this, but there is one whose compassion is infinite in the love and tenderness of 10,000 earthly friends and 10,000 mothers nursing their infants compared with his is but a drop of water compared to the ocean. Um, there's a story that my, one of my friends, uh, when he was in college, it was a story about a guy he knew in college. And this guy uh, grew up in the church, but got to college and started dabbling in drugs. Ended up with a pretty severe heroin addiction. And uh, basically, it got to a place where no one could get in touch with him. He was not returning any texts or phone calls. No one could just get a hold of him. And his father was determined. So his father started asking around as many people as he could, do you have any idea? Are there any houses known to be kind of heroin-type places? And he finally got this one address. So he gets in the car and he drives hours to this one house. He somehow, somehow he makes it through the front door. And he's calling his son's name. But the son in his shame is in this back room. And he decides, I can't face my father. So what he does is he pretends to be asleep. But his father finds him in this back room. And then this beautiful thing happens. His father, instead of coming in and yelling and screaming and shaming, what his father does is he kneels beside him in the bed. And he just says this. He says, son, if you can hear me, please know that I am so glad that I found you. Your mother and I love you so much, and all we want is for you to come home and to get the help that you need. And then this is the detail that gets me. And then his father simply, through tears, kissed him on the cheek and then quietly left. And as my friends, this guy tells the story, he says, that was the moment where I knew that night I called my dad and I said, Dad, I need your help. The way that Paul will say it is, it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And if we're going to ever be, for me, the kind of parent or son that I hope to be, that I want to follow Jesus into being, feeling the affirmation of God the Father's love for you is the only way we're going to get there. Let me pray for us. Our Lord, we thank you for your great love for us. I pray that it would not be lost in us. I pray that by your spirit, you would impress it on our hearts. Lord, we think about um, Paul's words in Romans 8, that you did, not, you did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us freely. How will you not also freely with him give us all things? So, Lord, I pray that you would wash us, give us the deep rest that our souls need, and the great love that you have for us as a father who will not let us go. We pray these things and ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Stand and sing our last song.